Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello, welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Today we're joined by Matt Peters from Matt Peters, uh, fishwithmatt.com. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it. Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. This is the first time you've been on the show, so uh, tell us a little bit about what you have going on. Yeah, uh, like we were just briefly speaking about before we came on here on the show, I was just uh, talking to Chris a little bit about Really, so my background is just I've been in the industry and I've done the you know guiding thing and the industry thing for the better part of oh boy since I was 15 I suppose and I'm in my early 30 or 40s excuse me now, but uh, really my whole cup of tea has been really around I fished some tournaments in the summer and then I've kind of started to build a small fish camp at Lake of the Woods to cater to a few you know companies and different sponsor groups and organizations that I fish you know that I get up to the lake and do a little fishing with but um, I still do some open water guiding on Mille Lacs um, and some stuff here in the metro on Waconia and Minnetonka so that's where I cut my teeth really if I go back historic you know in the history of kind of where Fish with Matt started is I grew up on the, the shores of Lake Waconia and many people that have followed through the years know that that's kind of where I cut my teeth in this whole fishing segment and then I just have kind of grown it into a little bit more of a content piece, a marketing piece, um, some still some fishing and some sponsor obligations and things. So that's kind of what's got me to where I'm at today. I've been able to work with a lot of great brands over the years, a lot of great people. Um, I've had some amazing support that uh, has allowed me to kind of stay relevant in this industry. And then along the way, I still fish some tournaments uh, regionally here, the Champions Tour in the summer on the Bass side. And that keeps me plenty busy for a few tournaments a year. And uh, those have been good. You know, Scott Bonema runs that deal. It's a new format for those that don't know. And it's all catchway release on the bass side. So we have a marshal that rides with us. And every time we catch a fish, they weigh it. They record it to an app. And everybody can see the results live throughout the day. And it's really kind of how a lot of the, you know, summer fishing has gone. And then when I'm not doing that, like I mentioned earlier, I've got a camp at Lake of the Woods and I run a little fish camp. I bought a little property up there. Uh, just love being up there. Love how, how diverse it is. Um, Lake of the Woods offers all species. If you're willing to travel, there's crappies, lake trout, walleye, sauger. Um, you know, we don't catch too many bass in the winter, but we do catch a few smallmouth as, you know, we get closer to March. But it's so diverse. The one reason people, one thing people ask me all the time is, why do you like you know, being at Lake of the Woods, but if you're able to get into the Canadian side, which we are now that it's reopened, it's a million acres of water. So I always tell people, I'm like, it's a canvas that's huge. And where do you want to throw paint today? Like, what do you want to go do today? Weather dependent, of course, but that's the adventurous side of Lake of the Woods that makes, that just draws me back time and time again. Very good. Yeah. It's a popular time of year to get up to Lake of the Woods early on. Uh, I had a chance to go up and fish with you a couple of weeks ago. Uh, tell us just a little bit about what's so special about early ice on Lake of the Woods. So early on when it freezes up, like we started November 27th, I think was our some of our first days on the ice. And uh, you guys got up there uh, shortly after the ice show. So around the 9th and that early, that early, let's call it that first month, typically, with the fact that the Rainy River dumps into Lake of the Woods right there, and it comes from International Falls, and it comes down through Budette, and eventually the river dumps into the lake there. And that current flow is where the bait 
in the fall comes the shiners come up into the river and with those shiners come a lot of the fish the walleyes and sauger will travel right to the river or in there's a lot of them that reside in the river but the lake itself it draws a major migration kind of to the south base in the lake and the nice thing about the early part of the first month let's call it of ice fishing there um this whole month of december is typically travel still pretty easy you can get around um you know it's not um it's you don't have to run 20 miles to get to fish uh it's all real close everything's pretty easy as far as that goes and there's usually a ton of fish in that south basin this winter's been a little unique from the standpoint of we had a like 100 year flood this all of basically the summer on lake of the woods and it's kind of moved some of the fish around and the way the water sets up and so this early season on the lake side itself has been a little tougher than what we're used to for December. We typically are used to being able to, to really catch as many sauger and then your walleyes mixed in throughout the day. And as you guys know, from your stint up there, even um, I had high hopes for how that would set up, but it could be the muddy water. It could be just the floods over the summer that just move some of the fish and move some of the things around and just change their travel a little. But it was slower than average, I would say, for December. Um, we usually just get over Pine Island there on the South Basin in anywhere from 18 to 24 feet of water, and you'll catch, you know, an average day, I would say, over the last 15 years, a fish house to catch 100 fish is not out of the ordinary. It's very much the norm in December. Now, this year, like I was just saying, for some reason, the fish have been a little on the small side on the lake and there just not been as many fish down there. Um, I don't know if there's just still that many of them up in the river or if it got that muddy when it was freezing up with all that heavy Northwest wind. So, you know, we've been trying to kind of figure that out. We can go farther up the lake. Like I mentioned earlier, it is such a big, diverse, massive body of water that with snowmobiles and other equipment, we can work our way up the lake and probably get on plenty of fish. But typically in December, the whole thing is we can fish close and it's easy travel and there's lots to be caught. So the one thing we did this winter is we moved more into the river. It's, you know, just after we saw how tough the lake was, we've been spending more time fishing actually in the rainy river itself. And it's been good. There's a lot of fish up in the river still that haven't made their way maybe back out to the lake, or maybe we're just catching some of those residents. But um, it has been a little bit of a unique year as far as, as you guys saw firsthand, even when we went on the lake that day for five, six hours, we probably only caught, you know, 12 sauger and eight of them or 10 of them were, you know, eight to 10 inches long. They were very small. So just, you know, it was early in the season. We're just kind of getting our bearings on why that is. Um, it was pretty widespread. It didn't just affect, you know, everybody on that South Basin kind of had the same report, I guess, is the best way of putting it. And we were up there, we did some fishing out on the lake, uh, just on the other side of the island there. But we also fish in the river. Tell us a little bit about the differences between the river and the lake and kind of why you'd set up and when you'd set up in either place. Yeah, so really the the river typically is a morning and evening deal for those guys that are looking to, to, to get in that current. Um, those fish, for whatever reason, that river's pretty dirty and they they set up really well to feed that hour at sunrise and hour at sundown is really when they put most of their traveling in and they they'll move up on the shallow flats and feed there are some areas in that river and those deeper holes and different places where you can catch some fish during the day but typically it's not a great spot for you know middle of the day um you might catch some pike you might get an occasional walleye to come through but that sunrise and sunset bite um for for whatever reason and there is more current in the river so 
for guys that are looking to maybe go up there and fish in the rainy river and fish some of those resident fish and there are some big fish in that river that never leave there i mean there's lots of eight to ten pound walleyes that live in that river and they don't have any reason to leave the food's there they'll just stay in the river but like i said the two key windows are sunrise and sunset and then just figuring out what that current's doing when you do get out there be careful because that ice is never usually the same as on the lake because there is current um but we have good ice this year on the river i think when you guys were up we already had close to 12 inches of ice in the areas where we were fishing but it makes it unique as electronics, no matter what you're going to do. Um, you have to kind of adapt your game plan because if you're using a flasher or maybe you're using forward facing sonar or one of those technologies, what you have to realize is that when you put your bait down, the scope of your line, because the current's going to kick your bait down current away. So guys that are using flashers typically will put their line up two, three feet farther up current their hole that they're actually jigging in and put their electronics a few feet down current. So that way they can watch it on that down current side because the scope of where your bait ends up. And then it's just finding kind of the balance of how big a bait you need to really get it down there and keep it in that current, not have it wash out. And we found the current wasn't real heavy this year. We're running three ounce type jigs, spoons, different things that are dense just so that way that current doesn't wash it out. But just a few things for those guys that, you know, like I said, if they if they haven't fished a river and they're maybe interested in it or maybe they're going to go up there and they're like, you know, I've always wanted to go out there and try it. Um, you know, usually by 8.39 in the morning, you can bail off the river and you can head to the lake and spend the rest of the time on the lake the rest of the day. Talk a little bit about the differences and what you're going to be using as far as a presentation compared to fishing on the river and then going out to the lake. Yeah, and that, again, kind of goes back to that current. Um, Typically on the river, we're looking to get it down in the current um, with either a dead, like a frozen shiner or a live minnow. Um, either one will work great. Um, the, the emerald shiner is the standard bait that's in that river. There are other, you know, shiners and chubs and different kinds of minnows that they will feed on. But the main forage in that whole system is emerald shiners. So all the bait shops up there sell frozen shiners. They work great. You can, there again, have a dense bait. Uh, three sounds even like a leadhead jig like you'd fish in the summer or a heavier uh, you know jigging shad wrap maybe or something that can get down and stay down in that current so it doesn't scope too far on you when you get to the lakeside now there again the baits will change a little bit you can downsize all the way to an eighth ounce spoon you don't have nearly as much current you can run a bobber rod with just a plain hook and a, a chub on it or a shiner um, and that typically is a great way to catch them on Lake of the Woods. What we always say on the lake side is it's a one-two punch, what we call the dead stick rod, which would also be like a bobber rod, and then the jigging rod. And sometimes they'll come in on your jigging rod, and then they'll bite your dead stick. And usually on that dead stick, a plain hook, a foot off the bottom, 18 inches off the bottom, um, whether it's a dead stick or a bobber rod, whatever your preference is. On the jigging side, we downsize compared to what we would use on the river. We go to you know, nothing over like a quarter ounce, you know, smaller spoons, anything in that gold glow, red glow, pinks, um, that water has that tannic, like kind of goldish tint to it. So anything that for whatever reason, gold always works good at Lake of the Woods. It must have something to do with the way that water refracts, you know, reflects and refracts off that gold spoon, but it seems to get those fish attention. Chicken shad wraps, your, um, you know, any of those rattle type spoons from Northland, VMC, uh, you know, there's quite a few brands of those out there now. So 
you know, spoons always work good. And that it, sometimes with the spoon on the lakeside, we'll just tip the minnow head usually. And then on the dead stick, we'll put the full minnow. And there again, sometimes even on the dead stick, you can put the frozen shiner and they'll just swim up and eat that dead frozen shiner on the dead stick. They, they're very oily. Emerald shiners are oily and stinky. And you put them down in your hole on a, on a hook and usually a walleye or sauger is going to come and find it. And yeah, we've been talking about gear. I want to talk about a different piece of gear, though. I pulled into your camp, and uh, the thing that was stunning to me was the geo trackers. And then they start driving around Lake of the Woods, and you find out that this is probably like the largest density of geo and Chevy trackers per capita, maybe in the world. Um, everybody's using them up there. Tell us a little bit about the trackers and, and why you use them. Yeah, so trackers are a very sought-after piece of equipment up there. I mean, we... Uh... We've started to acquire a few over the last few years, and it's been uh, great. The biggest thing, you know, you can you can go buy a nice side-by-side, -side and there's a lot of guys that show up with them, and they, they'll work and do their thing. But when it comes to the finance side, a side-by-side -side right now loaded out with heat and everything you need might be forty grand. Well, these Geos or Chevy trackers, like you mentioned, that is pretty much standard running equipment up there are you know if you can find a clean one without rust it might be 4500 bucks you find a little bit of beat up one it's 2500 bucks so we've acquired a few of them around that three thousand dollar price range and they're very light you can you know they have four-wheel drive they have heat um you can load your gear in there another guy no problem even a guy in the back seat because ours are four doors if you need to and you can kind of get where you need to go that's the you know they really go through quite a bit and then if they do break down the upside is, is you can drive the thing or, you know, if you can still drive it, if it breaks down, but if you can take it right to the automotive shop, they can fix the alternator in it. They can fix the serpentine belt. They can do the brake lines. Everything can be serviced right at an automotive shop. And usually if you go down, you're not down very long. They usually the, one of the local guys can get it fixed within a day or two. And when you have some of these other pieces of equipment, mind you, they might work great for at your farm or some other tasks you do. Sure. That's fine to have a side-by-side -side for those things. But if you're specifically going to try to navigate on Lake of the Woods in that first three weeks or month, the Chevy Tracker or the Suzuki Samurai and some of those are just, like you said, it's the largest density. I mean, I think everyone in the country that's left gets shipped to Baudette. Like if you can find, the guys find them in Arizona, they find them in Texas, Georgia, they get them all shipped up there, the resorts. And they're, they're just a great piece of equipment without a lot of financial investment. And they just, they go through a lot more than people think. And you, you guys drove one, you got to see kind of, you know, they're just load your gear in there and get in and do, 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 thing just goes along, goes through the snow. So great can pull little skid houses. So really no complaints when it comes to ice fishing. Those are the ultimate machine. I wish they still made them because I would have to, I would get one of the new versions if they still made them, but the probably biggest key to it is they're super light and they're not a ton of financial investment. I think the two door ones only weigh, Oh, I think if you look it up, they're like 1300 pounds and they're four wheel drive. So it's so light. They take them out. Those local guys will be driving those things on five, six inches ice when they first start making their trail, just getting it ready to pull everything out. They'll take them out on, you know, like I said, six inches of ice, no problem. They're so light. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And yeah, there are they are a lot of fun to cruise around on the, on the lake. Uh, the other thing that that we saw that you're running is skid houses. Tell us a little bit about the advantages of going to a skid house out on Lake of the Woods. Yeah, so because I have that property there, I'm in a position where I have a place to store them. That's the nice thing. I don't have to lug them back and forth or really trailer them because I'm so close to the lake. I can basically just take them right down the lake, and when I'm done, bring them right back to my property. But 
the biggest advantage with that skid house is that there again, they're light. You can get them out early with a tracker. You can take them out on eight, 10 inches of ice and, and it disperses the weight. Well, um, gives you lots of room. Um, they're pretty bulletproof, right? There's not a lot of, there's really nothing to it that, that you can ruin for say, maybe you could tear the runners off it eventually or, but we've had skid houses up there for the last five, six years, um, aluminum style skid houses. And they're just the mobility, the functionality, the weight, uh, all those things. It checks all those boxes. And there's a large, we're seeing a kind of a pretty heavy trend in the skid house thing because guys just find they're e easy to move from spot to spot. Um, there's not a bunch of moving parts. And they're light, like a lot of these are even able to be pulled with snowmobiles, like the bigger four-stroke or even two-stroke utility snowmobiles that are made from all the brands now. Most of the utility snowmobiles have low gear, and you can hook onto that, you know, an eight by ten skid house with a put it in low gear on a snowmobile and you can pull it 15 miles up the lake. Where if you're on wheels, both your truck and your fish house, and there's there's plowed roads for those guys and everything, and that's fine. But then you're kind of just in that constraint of with the rest of the guys that are off that plowed road. If you have a skid house and the means to get them around, you can get a little more off the beaten path. And that's really what we're after. And they're so light. They just float over the top of everything. You can kind of take them anywhere. And in there, again, they're not 50 grand. Um, you can get into them. There are some higher end skid houses now from Polar Fox. And, and I think Core's making some and different brands that makes them pretty well finished um pretty amazingly finished skid houses but if you want to start with a basic aluminum spray foam house you can have a really nice house that they put the catch covers in them and everything you need the heater everything and you're out the door for you know eight to ten grand and you're off to the lake with a beautiful setup yeah that's really nice uh one of the things that that i really enjoyed about fishing up there with you is you know we cruised out there and you had the heat rolling already holes drilled and you just kind of sit down and start fishing uh, tell us a little bit about what it's like. I guess tell our audience a little bit about what it's like to uh, to go fishing with you. Well, so typically if I'm there, like you said, and I know I've got some friends or some some guests coming in, all the you know I'll have some equipment on the lake, um, and I'll have kind of scout fished usually for a day or maybe a day and a half, kind of find where some fish were. In that particular situation, and in the river there, we had found a pretty good little area where some walleyes were using this one edge in the river, so we were you know, we knew we could catch some fish at sunrise and sundown along there. And so we're like, well, we kind of got that figured out. The other skid house we had also up in the river at the time, we were planning to take to the lake, but we had gone there and scout fished on the lake for a day and really just struggled. So the best, you know, for when people come in, what I'll do is I'll have kind of house set up and the heat's on because I'm there and I've usually fished for a day, kind of found where some fish are at. And ideally, like you said, get in, um, and yeah have your boots and have your gear but we call it slipper fishing once you get pulled up and you get out and you walk in ideally the heat's on um sit down in a chair put your slippers on and settle in for a little while in in the situation of the river where we were like i said i knew that we were only going to probably fish till 8 39 and then we did move that house we just hooked it up to the geo pulled it up over the island and we went out to the lake for the rest of the day and then we came back to the river for the afternoon with that house and there again that's the advantage of that skid house just popped over popped the holes in about 10 minutes we were set up and fishing fish the rest of the day till about three o'clock it had been slow on the lake that day so then we came back into the river but yeah I, the nice thing with those vented empire style heaters that we use is we can just leave them on set the thermostat to low when we go in at night come back when we get out in the morning and just kick the thermostat up a little bit holes are open the heat's on 
you know, the floor is pretty well dried out. You can just kind of settle in and start fishing. If someone's heading up to Lake of the Woods for the first time, what is your advice to them? You know, check with some of the local, uh, you know, if you've never been there, the best thing to do to, is, A, figure out which area you want to go to. The area where we were is out of Wheeler's Point, um, right off the Rainy River there. It's a very um, sought-after area. A lot of people do come to that area, but then you do have um, some other access points to get on the lake. There's another one to the west that's that's like Long Point area, and there's some resorts over that way. Then you have the Spring Steel area, and then all the way over to look towards War Road. So there is a vast area there over about 25 miles that you can kind of access the lake from different areas. Um, we're in that Wheeler's Point area. There's a lot of resorts there. Um, there's some really nice maintained roads by those resorts to allow people to get out with their trucks and wheelhouses. Um, Adrian's, for example, does a great job. They maintain the main road off the south end there off Wheeler's Point. And, you know, they charge 15 bucks and you can go up and down, you know, access their road. If you're going to go up there to stay at a resort, there's lots of options. There's resorts all up and down the river there. And all the resorts have the equipment, if you want, to where you can book fishing and lodging with them. They'll You get up in the morning, they feed you breakfast. You get in one of their people haulers or a bombardier, and they take you out to a fish house and drop you for the day. And you fish, and they pick you up, and they bring you in. That's kind of one way of doing it. If you're doing it on your own, like I said, check with Adrian's or any one of those resorts, um, depending on the area of the lake that you want to, to access at. Log Cabin Bait does a great job with information, too, for those guys. Ever, you know, Right there before the end of the road, before you hit the lake, the bait shop there, they've got propane, bait, um, you know, rods and reels, tackle, whatever you might have forgot that you don't have with you. They have some of the best baits for Lake of the Woods. So, it's good to stop in a log cabin, get a few things. You can get your frozen shiners, kind of get a lay of the land. You can get on the lake right there, just a few blocks up off the Adrian's Road. Whether it's four-wheeler, snowmobile, um, pickup truck, uh, you can access right onto the lake. They do a great job. There's lots of parking on the lake if you want to unload your machines off your trailer. The snowmobile trail starts right next to there, so you can get right on a stake trail and ride all the way up to the northwest angle if that's what you want to do for the day. There are some resorts up there on the angle that you can go visit. You can get lunch. You can fish up in that area, and then you can ride all the way back if you choose to. So, again, it's very diverse, offers a lot. But if you've not been there, do a little due diligence. Um, stop into those places as you're coming to the end of the road, log cabin. They'll point you in the right direction. Check with Adrian's. They've got the main plowed road. You can kind of get off that and, and find some areas to, to fish. And throughout the year, the way it works is they kind of start the road, let's say, a mile over the island. and then. This next week, they'll bump it two miles or three miles. And by the end of February, that road will be close to 20 miles long up the lake going straight north up the lake. So they just kind of keep going up all, all darn winter long. Very cool, Matt. I think the big news in ice fishing right now, especially in the upper Midwest, is all the snowfall. You know, we've been getting pounded with snow. Look out the window right now. It's snowing here. Um, how does all this, how, how does this affect the ice now that we're getting all the snow from mid-December all the way up to now. Yeah, Chris, that's a that's actually something that I'm sure a lot of the listeners and different people are keeping their eyes on because they're seeing stuff on social media about, you know, how wet it is or, you know, flooding on some of these lakes or maybe even the sheet of ice on some of the lakes got so much snow it actually sunk the sheet of ice a little bit and now the snow is kind of just all slush or wet. And, the, you know, we've had that this last 
10 days or a week and a half, right shortly after you guys left, it started snowing and it didn't stop. We ended up with about 12 or 14 inches of snow, very heavy, wet snow on Lake of the Woods. And so really what it did is it added some slush on top. Between that snow and the ice, we had some slush. Um, we did have to block the houses a little higher to get them up out of that slush. We have to move them onto what we call fresh ice more often. But the one thing that I would tell anybody that's going there again, check with those resorts and stuff because those guys work diligently day and night to get it knocked back. And what we mean by that is they get it opened up and some trails cut and different things because once you've compacted the snow or plowed it or knocked it back, it allows the air and the insulation out of it and then it can freeze again. Well, this morning I think I looked at the weather and it was about 26 below in Baudette. So I'm guessing that most of that moisture that we were having underneath that snow at Lake of the Woods particularly is probably firmed up and gotten pretty hard now. And it, there will still be spots where there'll be a crust you can break through and then you're in some slush. So it's not perfect conditions. It's not ideal for what we want as ice fishermen in the state of Minnesota in December. We see this about once every usually three or four years where we see a lot of our lakes get kind of ruined by the heavy wet snow because we get so much water that comes up. People say, well, how do you get water up? The best way to put it is the sheet of ice has too much weight on it. Anywhere there's a hole or a crack, it's sagging the ice so much that water is coming up to whatever the level the water wants to be at, the standard level of water. So if the ice is getting so much pressure and sagging from the weight of the snow, you're going to get slush and moisture that seeps up through anywhere there's a crack. It just, it's inevitable. And I'm unfortunately, I think uh, the whole central part of Minnesota, and I'm sure areas of Wisconsin there, northern Wisconsin, central Wisconsin, all ended up with so much snow here a week ago, a week and a half ago, that a lot of the lakes are going to be tough, you know, tough sledding. It's going to be pretty tough to get around. I mean, until we get enough cold, the one thing I can tell you is if you do make a trail out and you're able to get it knocked down and kind of get the insulation out of it, usually within a day or two, that trail will be good. So I tell guys, I'm like, if anything else, cut yourself a trail and it might be tough sledding the first few times, but once you get that trail cut and it gets firmed up, you'll be good to, you know, come to and from, but it's not going to make getting around really great. And I think we're going to see a lot of the lakes in central Minnesota and in throughout parts of our state that won't get a whole lot of pressure because guys just aren't going to be able to access it the way they want to without getting stuck. So hopefully we continue to get lots of cold and that insulation factor of the snow doesn't end up totally ruining our season. I think we get enough below freezing temps here below zero. We'll see it harden up pretty good and we'll have, we'll still have a good season ahead of us. Yeah, that was my next question. You talked about not getting a lot of pressure because it's tough to get out there. How do you think all this is going to actually affect the fishing for people who do get who do get out there? Yeah, I think it'll be good. I think the guys that do get out have the means to get to the areas and the spots and kind of have the, you know, they they know what to do and how to do it to get around um, or the means of even if they do get stuck getting unstuck or maybe they go with the buddies so they have multiple machines. So if one gets stuck, they can pull the other guy out. But those groups of guys that put in the effort and do get out are going to, you know, they're going to reap the benefits because anybody that had interest in going, but maybe they don't have the right snowmobile or they feel their snowmobile is going to get stuck or they had a four wheeler and now their four wheeler is just on wheels and they're like, well, I can't take that. I'll be stuck the whole time. So if you, you know, if you lose some of those anglers that just aren't able to get out or don't have the means or the equipment to get where they want to get um, there again, Lake of the Woods has 
an answer though. If you still want to go and you can't do it on your own, there are resorts that will get you to and from, you know, to a fish house and you can still get out and enjoy the sport of ice fishing. But I think you'll see a lot of those lakes with much less pressure than what they typically would see in December. Cause usually December is the easiest month to get around. We haven't usually got this much snow. I think we did see this happen maybe two years ago where we had a lot of lakes get pretty flooded and pretty slushy. Um, so it's going to be, like I said, tough sledding for some of those areas and those guys that get out and put the work in, uh, they'll reap the benefits. They're going to see the fish are still going to feed. Um, you're still going to be able to, you know, they still got to eat the walleyes and the, and whatever, you know, crappies, sunfish, whatever it is that you want to pursue, those fish are going to still be feeding. So if you can get out there and you can get to the areas you want to, I think fishing will be really good for those people. And for those that can't get to those spots, maybe, or their lake got too flooded or, their equipment just won't get them to where they want to get. I would recommend, you know, like I say, check with trying to get out ice fishing with one of, you know, a resort at, you know, there's lots, Leach has got resorts, Winnebagosh, lots of areas in Wisconsin. Um, just find a spot that you can take maybe the family or your buddies and, and try to go through a resort if you if you can't get out otherwise. Well, Matt, it's good having you on the show. Of course, uh, really fun to get up there with you. Appreciate you inviting us up and inviting and uh, coming on the show today. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about today that uh, we didn't cover yet? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I think you touched on a lot of really good points that I was able to hopefully give some insight to the to the ice angler guys that are wondering what these places look like right now and, and what this snow has, has affected these conditions. And there again, I haven't been to all the lakes. Um, I do talk to quite a few guys to get some intel as far as what some of these lakes are doing. Um, as far as fishing goes throughout the rest of the state, it sounds like the bite for crappies and walleyes and much of the rest of the state's been phenomenal if you can get out and get to your areas. Um, so, yeah, I just recommend everybody to gear up and get ready to go because, uh, you know, there's more cold in the forecast and I think the fishing's going to be good over the, you know, the next six, eight weeks. So uh, get get your hogger out and Get your uh, get yourself ready here post holidays to go chase a few around. Well, very good. He's Matt Peters. You can find him at fishwithmatt.com. Appreciate you coming on and uh, have a great season. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate everything. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com. <laughs>